There we go. We are back again for another brand new episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good week, this one. I'm looking forward to what we're going to be talking about. But mostly I'm really excited about who we've got on the podcast this week as well. So just to introduce my unofficial Miami photographer, my partner in crime, <laughs> who we had the opportunity of meeting in person after talking over social media and Zoom for the whole year as well. It's the boy Arjun Sharda as well. So Arjun, thank you very much for joining the Hello. podcast. We are live. You are on the podcast. How are no you problem. doing today, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I've had a hectic day. Um, going to a scholarship meeting and coming back. So uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm excited for the game tonight. The, the Noblin and Derby. So all is good, man. It's all good. We'll get you away <laughs> for at least the first 15 minutes, which should be good exactly. as well. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to... Hopefully seeing you a lot more this summer as well. There's a lot to kind of do and discuss over the summer. I know it's your last year of university and we've got to speak a lot when we're in Miami as well. So that's going to be a whole other episode complete and talk about how we're in Miami. Really good fun as well. Uh, our next brand new guest for the, for, the, for the podcast this week, we have one of the, one of the most crucial Northwestern podcast guests I've ever had really because he's a coach in the Northwest of England. He's promoting diversity wherever he goes on LinkedIn, on social media. And I absolutely adore him for what he's trying to do for the, the Asian community in, in British football coaching as well. So his name is Syed Alisa. Syed, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for finally getting onto one of our episodes. I know you're a Man United fan like me, so we're going to be talking about Man City and Liverpool mostly today. So you're not going to have a very comfortable time. It's on not going to be a comfortable time. It's, it's definitely not going to be a comfortable time. But um, no, I'm happy for you guys to have me. And finally, we've found a time that, that works for us all to finally have a chat. Definitely. I'm definitely not doing this for any work experience I need in the summer for coaching. So I'm definitely not bribing side here um, <laughs> if anyone needs that as well. And finally, last but not least, we have the co-host with the most, a term I just stole from someone today. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen him for a while, but Salim, it's good to see you back on the podcast, my friend. I've missed you. And we've got a busy summer ahead of us today, um, this summer as well, Salim. So Salim, how have you been so far? Yeah, good, thank you. It has been a while, I think, since I've recorded. Uh, obviously, we've had a Ramadan in between as well. But yeah, it's nice to be back and nice to meet uh, you two guys as well. Uh, it's going to be really good. And I got you some merch as well, which Arjun really uh, recommended me to get you as well. So when I did call you in Miami, I definitely got you something because of Arjun's <laughs> recommendations as well. But no, first things first, the biggest news of the week that we've got this week is Erlen Brandt Haaland signing for Manchester City. And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly one of those in the minority for Man United fans. I'm loving this. I think this is fantastic. Not just for the league, not just for the future of Manchester City, but just for general... This is going to be, this is going to be so much fun just watching Haaland every week in the Premier League. And it's going to bring up everyone else's competitiveness, competitiveness, 10%, 15%, 20%, even more. Because you kind of look at Manchester City thinking, how do you stop them with the way they're playing now without a striker? But Pep Guardiola, since losing to... Real Madrid has had a whole different side of him. Oh yeah, I can't wait to talk about Haaland. We've got this going forward as well. And Haaland is the Manchester City player coming from the summer. I've got Julian Alvarez who's also come from River Plate as well. So they've got some of the most amazing young talented uh, attackers in world football. Gabriel Jesus has really stepped up his game as well. We all know about Phil Foden as well. It goes to show that Manchester City are not striving to be second best or third best anymore, even in Europe. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I know people say I might agree with me as Man United fans. Oh yeah, we just want our club to be good again. But Manchester City, they're going to a whole new different mentality. And I'm really excited about this personally. 
Arjun, let me hear your first initial thoughts. Like, again, you're a Liverpool fan for everyone listening. So you may not have liked that big hype I did about Manchester City, but what do you kind of think about um, your next your your title rivals signing one of the best strikers in world football? I mean, from a Liverpool perspective, it's different to a, a general perspective. Yes, general in a general sense, it's amazing for the league. Um, to be fair, I'm, I've always been a fan of Haaland. I feel like his personality in a way as well. Just seeing him. It's also, in, interesting interviews as well. Because um, he, he doesn't like to give too much away with the interviews. So that'll be interesting for him uh, to have interviews. But from a Liverpool perspective, um, it's difficult to compete. I mean, we've got Luis Diaz, who wasn't a big player before he came to Liverpool. Um, but it's like Man City are just creating a dream team when Liverpool are a few steps behind them on the uh, on the financial side, which is which is a, a given. Really, we, I don't know how we could compete. I really don't know how we could compete. But the thing is, we've heard about Sadio Mane links yep. with him leaving. So uh, difficult one. It's a difficult one to take as a Liverpool fan. But in a general sense, exciting for the league. It's exciting for the league, definitely. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the title chase will go next season. And we've just heard that Jurgen Klopp has recently signed a contract as well. Yeah. I mean, you haven't mentioned it on the podcast as of yet, but the fact that he's just there, like, I can't leave this city, I can't leave this team anymore for another couple of years as well. Um, we're really looking forward to seeing, as a neutral perspective, how well this title race can go. Because Jurgen Klopp does find absolute gems of players. Like you said, Luis Diaz is someone who everyone's now raving about, but 12 months yeah. ago... It'd be like Salem and I talking about him on Football Manager or something like that as a really good player to, to sign for like 20 million on Football Manager or something. But Syed, I just wanted to ask you from a Man United perspective because I can go all day about how this is bad for Man United, but just from yourself, from your own point of view as well, Syed, what kind of, what kind of way does it show the rest of the world that Erling Haaland has chosen Manchester City to go to when two years ago, Manchester United rejected buying him um, in January of 2020, if I remember correctly as well, but what does that kind of show the rest of the world that Manchester City are ambitious enough to sign one of the best young strikers in world football, but Man United were like, no, nah, you know what, we'll leave him. We've got Martial up front. I think, I think when it comes to those guys uh, wanting to sign, I think it, it, apparently it came down to the technicality of his, his sell-on clause that, that Raiola, no, rest in peace, wanted to put, wanted to put in on his contract. Yeah. Um, but what it shows is exactly where the two teams are right now. Um, when it comes down to it, look, uh, as, as a Man United fan, I'm reeling. I'm thinking, why on earth did we not get that over the line uh, when, when, when we had the opportunity to at such a reportedly um, affordable price considering the market? Um, but as a, as, a, as a coach and as a football fan, yeah, as, I agree with everyone that they've said that, you know, it's, it's going to be one of the most exciting prospects to see in the league. And ultimately, it comes down to the fact that I think two things. One is the where the clubs are at, like I said, in terms of the model and where they're going. We, as, as a football club, I think we've fallen behind when it comes to our structure. Um, we, we're playing catch-up with the likes of Liverpool, with the likes of, 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 of Manchester City. Um, I'd even go as far as saying when it comes to this, the stadium and facility side of things, look at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's a, you know I've been there. It's amazing. Um, Old Trafford has its has its allure, has its pull, has its history. But um, it, you know it's breaking uh, as it's been reported recently that I've read. Anyways, that you know it needs a lot of work, and so does Carrington. Yeah. 
The second point is is that the best players need to be playing in the best teams in the world. Um, and a couple of decades ago, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that was us. We had the best players in the world. We had the best midfielders, the best defenders. You know, you could, you could, you could all probably name them off the top of your heads. But then over time, we've unfortunately fallen behind. So it comes down to the fact that the, one of the best young prospects in the world has gone to one of the best teams in the world. And there's no doubt in that. Um, you know, Arjun was saying before about Liverpool and that, yeah, they don't have the financial clout, but Liverpool scares me. Because if you look at them, they might not have the financial clout that City, United, even Chelsea do to some degree, but they're still competing. They're still in a shout with all these titles. Year, you know, year in, year out, you cannot put them out of the running. And as a United fan, for the both of us, it's like probably our worst nightmare, you know. I, I witnessed them in, in my lifetime. I witnessed Liverpool and City winning Premier League. I, I, I don't want to keep doing that. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one, but an exciting one, for sure. Yeah. Could have been even worse if Manchester City had the opportunity to get to the finals while I was actively yeah, rooting for, for Real Madrid to win as well. Um, <laughs> but no, nicely done there, side. It was really good to hear your point of view on that as well. Now we're coming to Salim, where Salim and I, we want to talk a bit more about how Pep Guardiola will have to adapt to having another striker in this side for Manchester City. Because Salim, as we've been saying over the season, it may have been more of a benefit not to have a striker for um, Pep Guardiola like he has done for the rest of the season. Only losing three games in the Premier League this season. Top of the table at the time of speaking with two games left because he can always put someone else in that false nine position. He can put a Foden. He can put a Bernardo. He, he's tried Jack Grealish, but like we've both said, Jack Grealish hasn't really settled into that new way of playing. But how do you reckon it will kind of go under Pep Guardiola with Erling Haaland? Do you reckon he'll be playing as that number nine or do you reckon he will be a roulette merchant going out to the wings or anything like that as well? Well, I've got two things. I've just got a notification that uh, Villa's announced Coutinho on a permanent deal. So I thought oh. just now, so it's you know, breaking news as we speak. Salem's a Villa fan. So yeah, no, but so going back to Harlan, like, uh, I agree with everything that Syed said actually as well um, in terms of just the important points and financial clout and, and that stuff. I feel like United have missed out big time because this could have been a player that could really have bridged the gap, you know, with sort of Chelsea, Liverpool and City. I think with City signing him, it puts them, if they're playing this well without an out-and-out striker, um, he could obviously come and, you know, give them more like breathing space and win them the games that they might have been struggling to win this season and, you know, help them get that Champions League. But equally, there's been a lot of talk saying that would Pep be able to adapt? So I'm not I'm not too sure because, you know, Harling, Harling could come in, like in, in my football manager season, he plays for Man City. No, he plays for Liverpool actually. And he scores like 40 goals every season anyway. So he, he could end up like that. But equally, he, Pep might struggle to fit him in or he might, you know, he might even take a season to adapt fully to the Premier League because the demands of the league are different to you know, other leagues, as, we, as we've seen with, like, a lot of players. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he does. I feel like Pep would be able to get the best out of him, but then would he be able to play in this sort of fluid football system is a question. I mean, you know, Pep did it with Lewandowski at Bayern and got him, you know, firing, you know, goals. But you, there's an argument that the Premier League sort of a tougher league and Parlin might even struggle against some of the, you know, some of the other sort of defenders that we've got, like the Ben Mees and, well, he might not even be in the Prem next, but, you know, he might struggle against some of the more physical opponents that we've got. Yeah, absolutely. Because the way that I see it as well, 
it's kind of similar to Thomas Tuchel signing Romelu Lukaku, isn't it? Because Romelu Lukaku was the signing that they made in the summer for their strike. And everyone had been saying, Chelsea just need a strike and they can compete for the league. We've seen that happen. Romelu Lukaku hasn't adapted to Thomas Tuchel's way of playing. But also, kind of like what Salem said, Thomas Tuchel hasn't adapted to Romelu Lukaku being into the team as well. I know he scored two goals against Leeds this week or uh, Wolves who he played against, which was, which was good fun. But it's also one of those things where every kind of big name sign and big money sign we've seen from Pep Guardiola always takes that one year to settle into the Premier League as well. We've seen it with the likes of Bernardo Silva. We've seen it with Leroy Sane. Last season, we saw it with um, Jao Cancelo coming into his own as well, which was absolutely fantastic at the same time. And we're going to see it a lot more going forward as well. But I do think Jack Grealish next season will be a much better player because he's adapted to the way of Manchester City playing. But with Erling Haaland, I think, personally, I think he'll hit the ground running. I think they'll have to play to his strength, to his benefits. Kevin De Bruyne will be one of the best players Haaland will ever have to play with in his career. Maybe for the next two, three years of his career, it'll be fantastic to see how it goes. And realistically speaking, everyone in the Premier League will be literally just like 10, 20% more interest in playing against Manchester City with the likes of Haaland, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Foden, Raheem Sterling as well. Because there's, there's talks of Raheem Sterling leaving, there's talks of Jesus leaving as well. But when you have that kind of, that, that calibre of attacker with Julian Alvarez coming in as well, it's, it's scary hours in Manchester. That's all I'm saying. It's not for the red side of Manchester. It's just for the blue side of Manchester. That's it's scary. Scary for other reasons at Man United, as we know, but nothing, nothing good to report back on as well which is nicely done. But no, I was gonna, Yeah, go for it, Arjun. I was going to... I was just comparing to Klopp because there's been a lot of talk with Luis Diaz when he came from Porto. Is he mm. going to adapt quick, quickly enough? Uh, right. And he has. And Kanate, when he joined, um, he's the only young, de- young defender. Mm. Um, and I feel like he's adapted really well. But I can't think of any, like, Liverpool from the top of my head who's, who's joined the club. Well, okay, there are a few, obviously, but who's joined the club and made such an impact straight away. And obviously, comparing to Grealish, he hasn't really hit the ground running. So, with Eric Haaland, I, I do think, like as you said, he'll play to his strengths rather than keep keep the philosophy sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Haaland will hit the ground running. And he's got quality uh, as well. So, I don't think, yeah, I think that speaks for itself. Mohamed Salah was another player that adapted straight away to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I forget, sorry to break, uh, cut you off there, but I've just been reading that there's like a there's a, like going to be another release clause in Haaland's deal for 2024, mm. about 127 million, I think it was 150 million euros. But they're sort of saying like he might use Man City as a stepping stone for Real Madrid, basically. So I mean, I don't know. It's it's quite it's a bit of a funny one. But yeah, sorry, because at the end of the day, right now, if you were to put it on paper. Who right now is, in terms of the way they play right now, who's who's the bigger club, City or Real Madrid? I don't think. I mean, if they're thinking that, fair play. Okay, it is what it is. They've negotiated it, but if he's trying to use Manchester City as as a stepping stone, I think that, that I think that's wrong. To be honest, personally, anyway, I think that because they're up there, they're up there competing with the best of the best. The likes of the Liverpool, your, your Real Madrid, your I mean, I know Barcelona in the Europa League or whatever it is this year, but they'll be back in, in, in the Champions League sooner enough. You're Bayern Munich, you're Juventus. They're up there competing with the best of them. We're not, you know, as a club, we're not. So where they are at the moment, I, I don't see Real Madrid being 
a step up. It's almost a sideward step. It's like they're on the same level yeah. and you just go in there. You're not going any higher. You're not going lower. They're on the same bracket. But if that's the case, then okay, we'll we'll as a United fan, we'll think okay, we only have to live with it for three, four years, <laughs> and then he's off again, you know. Now, personally, I think it'll be one of those things that he'll wait to see if when Benzema retires, if he does stay until his 37, 38, and continues to play, and if they do go for Kylian Mbappe as well. So if Mbappe does stay, like uh, Maurizio Pochettino has been saying over the last couple of weeks, yeah, he's going to stay. And then you have what Vinicius, Haaland, Rodrigo as a front three or Asensio as a front three for the next five to ten years after that as well. You're absolutely mm. fine. But time will tell. And it's all speculation at this moment in time as well. But I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Erling Haaland kind of does um, at Manchester City over the next couple of years as well. As a Man United fan, obviously not. I'll probably go to many games where Man United are losing and we need a strike like Erling Haaland to finish a goal or get a tap in. But we don't have that player at the moment, unfortunately. So... That's something that I'm not really looking forward to seeing how we're doing in the summer as well. Arjun, right, we're back to you, my friend. We're going to be talking yes, more about how Liverpool have had one of their, at this moment in time, one of their best ever seasons in the Premier League. Second at the moment. Uh, yeah. Carabao Cup holders as well. You have an FA Cup final coming up and you have a Champions League final coming up as well. Salam and I haven't really spoken much about Liverpool this season because at the beginning of the season, to be fair, you weren't really in the title race. We thought the title race would have been over by December, January, um, even even February as well, which was crazy. Yeah. But what have you kind of noticed from Liverpool, from your fans' perspective as well? I know you went to the cup semi-final as well. What have you noticed from yeah. Jurgen Klopp since, let's say, February, since Diaz has come in, since you've had a whole new element to this um, Liverpool side as well? And, and do you think you could actually win on Saturday against Chelsea again? Do I think we, we can win against Chelsea? Yes. Um, but with recent news Fabinho is out uh, official he got injured yesterday against Villa didn't he or the day before yeah, yeah he, got, he got injured there um, to be fair, it didn't look that, that bad but he's out I'm guessing Hendo will replace him um, yeah. so to that one hope okay I say yes with confidence it, it isn't really it's, it's Chelsea they're not I say yes like they're not a good side they're a top top side so it can go either way, but I know we can win it. Um, yeah. like our players have had experience at Wembley. They've had experience in big games now. Um, hopefully, they can then rise to the level. Now, in the media as well, in terms of how Klopp is um, and the fact that we are in... Yeah, I don't think the quadruple is on, but let's say quadruple in terms of media's sake, because I think the media have kind of pushed that out there um, definitely, like, it's definitely a narrative that pushed out because you're available for what every single game possible this season as well yeah. ridiculous how many games you've been playing this season crazy exactly exactly and I feel like that sort of load that quantity of games is taking a toll on players um, like what with Saturday is the final and then what later on this month uh, I've got my calendar for you, later on this month mm. 28th is that yeah, yeah, so they've got two big games in the space of less than two weeks um, along with two games in the Premier League that, that are must wins if they want to keep that chance that, that uh, hope alive but yeah from a Liverpool perspective all the Liverpool players haven't really spoken about the quadruple um, they've always kept calm composed I feel like they're saying the whole cliche sort of take one game as it is take one step at a time sort of thing Um but now it's getting to the nitty gritty stuff where you've got we've got four big big games, uh, Premier League, two two in the Premier League, 
and obviously the two finals. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, we can say that treble's on in a way. What what is that class? Because obviously treble isn't really classing as a domestic um, treble. I don't know what the official name is where you win three trophies, but. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely it's definitely the treble because I saw recently as well that Man United fans were a bit upset with if you were to lose one of the quadruples because if you win the quadruple you don't win the treble but then if you win the treble you've, you're another team in England so have won the treble as well like Manchester City as well which which is good fun. But no, <laughs> it's, it's going to be good for Liverpool fans and as Liverpool fans do you've got to enjoy it the, the place yeah. that you're in the way that you've worked hard and for me personally I need to shout out how amazing Jurgen Klopp has been since he came into Liverpool all those years ago 2015-2016 season I think it was got you to a Europa League final didn't win got you to a cup final as well I think you didn't win as well but the, yeah, the signs were there Champions, the final. Champions League final didn't win, win as well yeah. which is crazy but Salim I just wanted to ask you as well what three things have you seen from Jurgen Klopp since his begun his tenure that you really think has like has he embodied Liverpool or do you think Liverpool has embodied him because I think it could be a case of Liverpool has embodied Jurgen Klopp as what an amazing character, what an amazing manager he is. And at the time, I really wanted him to be Man United manager because of the way he plays and the way he is on and off the pitch. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure in terms of like three things, but the one thing I will agree with on Arjun is that I feel like, you know, this is the first team that's, you know, going to play every single possible game. And I think that in itself is, you know, massive achievement. And, you know, the sort of pressure the players are under for these for these big games like Champions League final, FA Cup final, nearly winning the league, you know, won the League Cup already. And, you know, on the back of such a bad season last year, if you think how the standards sort of dropped, everyone was saying, you know, could they come back? You know, they were questioning Van Dijk's ability if he can recover from that injury and stuff. But, you know, the sort of resilience and character that Liverpool have shown, you can't, you know, can't fault them for that. And I feel like, like no matter what happens everyone should sort of recognise and respect this team because there's been teams that have been in like a similar situation. Like I remember Arsenal have been in that situation where they've been in Champions League quarterfinal, they've been top of the league, FA Cup, sort of knockout round, you know, towards League Cup, whatever, or even for like a treble. And then they've ended up like losing, like getting knocked out of the Champions League, then like sort of losing their title race because they've lost like four games in a row, like a few bad results and then knocked out of the FA Cup. And that just shows how hard it is to get you know, through like even that stage where it gets like, you know, after sort of after the January window, uh, when it becomes sort of towards the business end of the season. So no team's ever got to this stage, you know, right. Like it's the final hurdle for Liverpool. And I think with, in terms of winning the league, I think they've been unlucky in a sense that if the gap wasn't that big, I think it was 12 points. Correct me if I'm wrong. If the gap wasn't that big, I feel like they probably would have done it. Um, but I just feel like it was such a massive ask and, you know, the way that Man City played, it was always going to be tough. But yeah, in terms of Klopp, I feel like a sort of great manager. I feel like the few things that he has done is he sort of implemented a style, but the main part of that is that he's had patience from the fans and the board. I feel like a lot of managers come in and before they even get a chance to really implement them, their style, like Pep as well, it took him, you know, a season and a bit it took Bielsa a while, you know, back at Leeds and um, Klopp, it took him some time. Like, they didn't do that well at the start. Everyone was like, he's got the same points as Brendan has in, you know, like, I think in his first sort of X amount of games, he had exactly the same record as, like, Brendan had. But the difference was he was, you know, building something. It wasn't just 
you know, like every week, well, we win one week, we lose one week kind of thing. So I'd say, I'd say it's that sort of style. I feel like he's signing the right type of players that, you know, want to play and give it their all and they play in that system. And I think the third thing is, um, I feel like he sort of, he does embody Liverpool Football Club in terms of that passion that he brings to. No, that's a really well, well way of putting it as well, Sam, because it's just the fact that, uh, I was saying last week on the podcast that for a lot of clubs in the Premier League, they'll go to the hilt with their manager. They'll live and die by what their manager said. The reason why Man United have failed over the last eight, nine years or so is because their plays have been bigger than the manager. They've been, paying, been, paying, been paid more than the manager as well. And you see that with a lot of faltering clubs up and down the country, across Europe as well, when they think, oh yeah, I'm getting paid a lot. I've, I've made it in football. But the fact that you have a manager like Jurgen Klopp who humbles his players every now and then, make sure if Harvey Ellis had a couple of good games or Curtis Jones had a couple of good games, Arjun will probably agree with me. He'll get them out of the team for a couple of games as well, keep them on the bench, won't even use them as an unused sub or something like that. Because it's like, you know what, you had a good game, but there are other players playing better than you in training, doing really well. Um, and that's what they're here to do. You have to step your game up even more. And that's something that Pep Guardiola's done. We've seen that with Thomas Tuchel recently as well, which is really good. And speaking of Thomas Tuchel, I wanted to get Saeed um, to tell us a bit more about how you reckon you could beat this Liverpool team if you were manager of Chelsea. So if you're in Thomas Tuchel's position, Syed, how do you reckon you could actually combat some of the weaknesses if you have any thoughts on these weaknesses for this Liverpool team? And how, would you, how do you reckon you should kind of set up for Chelsea against Liverpool FA Cup finally? Uh, how do you beat a machine? Um, okay. Personally, from what I've seen in terms of goals that Liverpool create uh, sorry concede this year yep. a lot of them have been where the, that, that defensive line has turned so yep. it's back to goal they're running towards back to goal people have gotten behind them and they can't get in behind I think Alexander-Arnold he's an extremely great player um, but can get caught going too far forward so you t- I'd, I'd, I'd go I'd sit deep first of all let them come to me let them come to me hit them on the counter go towards the left get the ball crossed in either floated in the air or driven across that will um, it will obviously bring their defensive line out I'd say by 20-30 yards let them step up it would also exploit the left hand side the Alexander Arnold has left behind him, but it will also do the crucial thing, which is turn that defensive line around. Um, and that, if, if you remember the game, uh, Arjun probably <laughs> wants to forget that game, um, and Sal obviously probably wants to remember it for for different reasons. But if you remember the game last year versus Villa when they lost seven two, about three of their goals came from that. It was it was the fact that they went around the they invited him. Went around the outside of him, crossed the ball in, bang, goal after goal after goal after goal. Yeah, they had, you know, a couple of injuries and stuff like that. But look, Liverpool's a machine though. And when it comes to that game against Chelsea, it's like what I just said, I agree. It's literally, it's, it's on a knife's edge. It can go either way um, for me. Um, in terms of what you guys were saying with, with Jurgen Klopp, the guy, you know, three things that he brings is, I wrote them down, Energy on the side of the line, you know, you, you, 
he's one of them that he kicks the ball with you, he heads the ball with you, he passes the ball with you. Players, they, they feed off that sort of stuff. I mean, anytime I'm kind of similar when I coach and I manage. You know, I, I've 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 played, and I'm not trying to compare myself to Jurgen Klopp at all, but. I've 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 played I, I used to play as a goalkeeper and I can you imagine me as a goalkeeper in the back and I'm shouting at somebody saying cross the ball and pass it in constantly telling them but now as a manager or a coach I'm, I'm pretty much the same where I'm kicking every ball with my team you know that 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 team has to represent me yeah um, I've always said that you know, I always say the best coaches in the world you can tell their team from a mile away. You can look at Manchester City and go, that's Pep Guardiola's team. Now, you do that with Liverpool. You look at their team and you go, that's Klopp's team because he's got that energy at the side of the pitch. That then brings the second point, which is charisma. He's a very, very, very charismatic you know, uh, character. From the moment he first walked in, he was smiling, he was joking, he was laughing. He almost gave that Mourinho factor when Mourinho first walked into the Premier League in 2005. You know, yeah, he, he he was a self-declared special one. Turned out to be he was eventually, especially in that era. Um, but you know, he, he was he was he got the media on side, um, and you know, some of you guys probably coach in, in in the younger age groups. You know, like with with with, with children or, or you know under twelves or you know foundation stage as you call it. It's a similar thing. I always say to people who coach in that phase, get your parents on side. Get your parents on side because they can make or break your time at a certain club. So get your parents on side. Jurgen Klopp's done the same thing here. He's got the media on side. He's got the press on side straight away. Number one, straight in. They compared him to to um, um, Mourinho at the time. You know, what are you? Mourinho is a special one. What are you? You know, he just said, I can't remember what he said, Arjun, but I think Off he said something like, normal one. Normal one. Normal one. There you yeah, go. He's, he's playing off the back of that and he's getting them on side. But that again, you know, the three words that I use that are kind of like in a bit of tandem brings me on to the third word, realism. He's set out the stall from day dot. He said on that first interview, if I remember correctly, give me four years and I'll deliver you something. By the fourth year, he delivered the Premier League title. By the fifth year, he went on this absolute ridiculous run of winning almost every, ta- every trophy he was available, including the Club World Cup. Now, what he's done is he's turned around and said, because the easiest thing to do when you're Liverpool, when you're Manchester United, when you're well, even when you're City now, is you know go off what you know, which is we're, we're we're one of the best teams in the league, we're one of the best teams in the world. We've got history behind us. We've got to do it. We've got to be in there. Gareth Southgate's done a very similar thing with England. You know, the, 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 oh, the, the, don't get started on Gareth Southgate side. Salim, <laughs> Salim, has, Salim has his qualms about that, uh, Gareth Southgate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I could probably work out where Salim's qualms are. You know, he's not an, an elite, elite manager if you put it in that bracket. You know, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's got a bracket of his own. But again, different story, different day. Mm. But, you know, with, with, with Jürgen Klopp, he's given realism. He's turned around and said, look, this is, this is the, what I've got. This is where we want us to go. Don't judge me bearing on your history. Don't judge me on the burden of the name that Liverpool Football Club carries. Judge me on what I'm going to do. Now, he's trimmed the fat from that squad. If you remember Mignolet, Lever, Skirtle, people like that. He's trimmed that squad down. He's took the fat off the meat and basically has now re-jigged his dish, so to speak, with different ingredients. 
and has now got a, a Michelin star product. At the end of the day, this guy has has done something to Liverpool that nobody else could do, barring your Bill Shankly's, Paisley's, etc. Um, I mean, yeah, you're making us hungry with that analogy there, side as well. Yeah. That Michelin star restaurant as well. <laughs> Need to go for dinner sometime at a Michelin star restaurant, but. Uh, I, 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 I really get I really get that from your point of view. And Salim, if you do need a coach for Inter Batley next season, side is a pretty good coach as well. So if you need if you need to hire another coach or assistant coach, I've I've got you into contact with one, which is good stuff. But so no, thank a, you. I don't think Klopp could fix this, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Salim, how did your cup final go? I don't know, I was on the bench for it. I was watching the Villa game on the bench for the first 70 minutes. So uh, yeah, not that good. We lost three three one to be honest. It's never a good feeling when you're on the bench and you can't even help out when you're losing. So when you're coming on and then they're just uh, there like, oh yeah, can you give us something? What can you do? The, the game's more or less done. Really annoying with that as well. Um, but no, thank you for that, Syed, uh, Arjun and Salim. Just to finish off, we've got two different topics to talk about. One of them will just be about how football impacts your mental health in a positive light as well. But just to round it off, um, I just wanted to know a bit more about who everyone thinks is their player of the season and their young player of the season in the Premier League as well. So Arjun is obviously smiling thinking about which Liverpool player to, to put in. Which one is it going to be this season? Salem's kind of there like, oh, I don't know who I can kind of go for. Syed's like, just don't think about Man United. But for me, <laughs> for me, it's an odd one because I am leaning towards Liverpool and I'm leaning more towards Alisson or Van Dijk as well because I think they have been fantastic this season as well and people tend to forget or it slips their mind when how uh, Alisson's dad passed away last season as well and he came back and he scored that goal against West Brom so he came back in a really good way Virgil van Dijk came back from a nearly career-threatening injury and mm. has played just the same if not better than what he's done recently playing every other game this season which has been incredible as well and Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne gets mentioned quite a lot as well. Harry Kane will probably get a mention from me as well. He's been fantastic for Spurs when Spurs haven't been the best this season as well. But uh, Arjun, we'll go with you first, actually. Who do you yeah. think is, is the player of the season um, in the Premier League this season and why? I'm torn between my Liverpool fan voice or my neutral voice. Go for your Liverpool, Liverpool fan voice. The Liverpool fan voice is Salah. Mm. Um, the fact that he's... I want to get his stats up. I want to compare them to like, the, the, the the rest of the phase of the season. But um, the fact that he had to go away to the World Cup and still came back. At, at the minute, his form isn't that great. Um, mm. So that's the only reason why I'm leaning towards my neutral point of view, which is Katie or Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, I, I really think he's, he's the best player in the league right now. Um, and that is tough for me to say as a Liverpool fan. But the the way he plays is I think any sort of team would want him uh, including Liverpool so yeah he, he's definitely the best player um, for me young I mean, player oh sorry no no I was going to say um, he's just done some ridiculous numbers year in year out he had that injury hit season last season as well and the fact that he continues to be Pep Guardiola's main man the likes of David Silva leaving Aguero leaving over the period of time as well he continues to be that main man that if you remember, and I'm pretty sure you all remember when uh, he signed from Wolfsburg, everyone's like, £50 million flop for signing him and been one of the better signings in the Premier League that we've ever seen of all generations yeah. as well. So nice shout there, Arjun. And who is yeah. your young player of the year that you were going to say? 
See, I don't want to lean towards the City squad, but I'm going to say Phil Foden. Ooh. Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Phil Foden. Like, even from the Champions League perspective, when he came on, he made an impact straight away against um, Atletico Madrid. Mm. Even that just shows some maturity for a young player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I want to think of the players rather than just City players because this, this hurts Liverpool fan. That's okay. But, we'll get back. We'll get back to you as well. <laughs> well. We'll find someone else to say. Salim, what are your thoughts on Kevin De Bruyne being Player of the Year? Um, do you agree with that? Disagree with that? Have any other one you kind of want to mention about that? No, I agree with Arjun. To be honest, like I would have probably given it to Salah too, but I feel like his his forms dip slightly. But a lot of people do sort of say like you know Salah's not all that, and but I, I think you know his legacy is there. You know he's got sort of goat legacy as a winger in the Premier League. If you look at his numbers. Hmm. Uh, there was, I think his numbers are better than sort of Cristiano's numbers as well. And uh, twenty-two goals this season in the Premier League as well. Ronaldo's third with eighteen goals in the season as well. So we've just saved you there, Arjun, as well. Twenty-two goals. Nice. He broke the record as well. You know, with the thirty-two. Um, so I think I feel like he doesn't get sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't get as much credit as he probably does deserve. But yeah. you know, for it to drop those sort of numbers, like some people were saying, you know, about we had the debate about Hazard as well, but you know, you can't you can't deny Salah's numbers and turning up in big games as well. Mm. But yeah, I think because his form's fallen off, it has been quite tough for him with the Afcon. I know that uh, Mane stepped up, but I'd, I'd probably give it to KDB as well. I feel like you know he can pretty much do everything on the pitch, and um, he's not showing any sort of signs of slowing down. You know, he got four goals last night. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him link up with Haaland next season. It's just going to be scary hours and we're just going to be playing Manchester City on FIFA every now and then, which would be crazy as well, which would be really good fun. Now, nicely done there, Salem. Syed, I wanted to ask you from, mm-hmm. a, from another perspective, how well do you think Man United have done with Cristiano Ronaldo? Because we have heard that old notion that every time this season, every week, Ronaldo's a problem, but... I mean, he's played every other game in the Premier League and the games that he hasn't played in or started in, we haven't won because he hasn't been playing. His third top goal scorer of 18 goals in the season. Does he have a shout for being your player of the year or are you kind of going down the Salah-Kevin De Bruyne route? You know, when I, when, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stick by it. I, I'm going to say Ronaldo and mm. here's the reasons why. Go for it. The guy, the guy scores goals. Right, you, you, can't, you can't deny that. There's been games where I think it was Tottenham, he practically single-handedly won the game. Norwich single-handedly won the game. He's stepped up at moments when, you, you know when before you were saying about Haaland, we need somebody to put the ball in the net. Yeah, we do. And, and on a more consistent basis. But at the moment, we've got literally one and it's him. Yeah. And he's done it. He's, he's done it where we've needed to. No one's going to turn around and say, oh, you know, he, he doesn't deserve you know the credits he gets because he, he does he, he, he's like Ron Seal he really is he just you know what you're going to get with him that's such a northern term there Syed it's, it's, I know, like yeah, it's, it's proper it's northern. <laughs> proper northern we've got big uh, B&Q's around here you see so uh, ah, okay. I don't <laughs> think anyone's ever compared Cristiano Ronaldo to Ron Seal you know so yeah, but you know, first time for everything. And uh, even, even look, Arjun, look at Arjun's uh, re- reaction right now. He's scratching his face. He's thinking, why? I'm why? Six out of uh, a Premier League is nine months long. This man has won six Player of the Month for mm. the Premier League, right? So he's won three quarters. It's not quarters, but you know, he's won three thirds of them, right? Um, three quarters of them. And considering that he's what, 37, 38 years old? 
It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous amount of numbers. And you know what? If you take his goals away, United are in a relegation battle. And yeah. there's, no, there's no doubt about it. This man is singing. And you know what? Going off a Liverpool perspective, he's done what Gerard did for Liverpool. He's done what Patrick Vieira and Henri used to do for Arsenal. You know, he's been that go-to guy. So for me, my... More, play, like, more like Alan Shearer for Newcastle, isn't it? He's been yeah. the main focal point and the, the, the club hero, basically, just trying to push them through every game, every night. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, we, we've all seen the class and quality of Ronaldo. We all know what you're going to get with him. Mm. But this year has been a ridiculously difficult year for United. We all know that on yep. and off the pitch himself as well having to deal with the death of his child that's that's obviously um, you know a tough tough time to go through but yeah his numbers are ridiculous you know what you're going to get with him I just think that look at the team that he's been in this year and he can still produce that now put that same person in a Liverpool in a Manchester City I think everyone's quadruple would have been on by that point um, so for, for me Ronaldo um, if you go for a young player I'm going to go with Saka. Yes. Saka was my choice for Young Player of the Year. Let me hear your thoughts on why Saka's your Young Player of the Year. I just think that the numbers he's produced has been great. His goal involvement for a young player of his age has been ridiculous. Phil Foden, look, Arjun, I'm not going to lie, he's been brilliant as well. He's been a revelation for Manchester City for the last two years or so that he's been involved. But Saka, going off the back of what he had to put up with in the Euros, missing bad, that penalty, yeah. coming back from that. And, you know, this guy, he's still a kid. I think he's like 19, 20 years old. And being the talisman for Arsenal from the second half of the season, exactly. but when their form went down as well. Yeah, and the other day, I think he scored a double against, I don't know if it was against, but he scored a brace against a, a team about a week or two ago. Mm. And then, you know, he's, like I said, he's 19, 20 years old and literally, I think in a season, grown up to a, a, a man where it's like, you know what, I'll take the game by the scruff of the neck. I'll get a goal. I'll do this. I'll do that. He absolutely tortured United when we played him. He absolutely tortured us. You know, he, he, he was everywhere. He was literally everywhere. It was like, is he a winger? Is he a number 10? Is he playing up front? You know, he was absolutely, he was everywhere. So, yeah, Saka for me, for sure, I, I think, anyway. Salim, what about Jacob Ramsey? He's had a really good season for you. He may not be your choice for young player here, but again, Aston Villa player coming through, having the coaches of Steven Gerrard as well, being a focal point in that, in that midfield for most of the season as well, with the likes of Coutinho, who's now recently signed. What's your thoughts on Jacob Ramsey for the season, Salim? Yeah, he, he would be one of my shouts for young player of the season, although I would have probably given it to Foden. I think with mm. Ramsey, the problem is obviously playing for Villa. If, you know, like if Saka or somebody else was doing what he was doing, he'd probably get more recognition. So I think there's partly that a lot of fans, I, I think more people are catching on to him. But the thing is, if, if he's just having that sort of awareness uh, and, you know, being, you know, seeing what Ramsey is doing, because he does get overlooked quite a lot, but his numbers are quite good and... Um, Technically, he's quite a gifted footballer. Like he's quite strong on both feet, and he can carry the ball quite well. And people forget he's only like nineteen or twenty, so he's still got you know a long career. He's a long career ahead of him. He's you know a massive Villa fan as well. So hopefully, I think Gerard was saying he wants him to be sort of the centre point, um, the focal point of his like rebuild going forward. So that's obviously a great sign, and his versatility will help us quite uh, quite a lot too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him grow and improve even even further. Definitely. No, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, my my choices are a bit off-putting, I'd say, but a few honourable mentions. Conor Gallagher has had a fantastic season for Crystal Palace. Yeah. 
probably should stay there for another season or just move away permanently because I don't want him to be Ruben Loftus-Cheek part two who's had a really good loan spell elsewhere and then is just used sparingly at Chelsea. Reese James coming back from that injury, I thought he's been fantastic since he's been back as well. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is fantastic, which I, I think it kind of is, it's not, he's not appreciated enough, Trent, Alexander, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, because everyone seems to overlook him. And I think he's still a young player. He started very young at like 18, 19 in the uh, team as well. But my young player of the year is Bukayo Saka, because just like Saya said, he took the words out of my mouth from what I was going to say. He's a boy in a man's shoes over the spell of, what, eight, nine months since missing that penalty, mm-hmm. since receiving that racial abuse and all the torment that he got over the season, getting booed at stadiums as well is awful. And him taking games by the scruff of the neck like he did against Man United. Fortunately, I wasn't watching it because I was asleep and I was, I was in Miami, so I couldn't care less about how we got battered by Arsenal that day, which was really good fun. But realistically speaking, Bukayo Saka is probably my young player of the year. And my player of the year, I'm probably going to go for Alisson. 20 clean sheets. I think he's been someone who... I, I don't know about you guys, but for someone who, where you don't have to notice him every other game, you don't have to notice what he's doing. He's just doing his job. He's doing things very easily. I think him and Edison, the redefined goalkeeping over the last three, four years have been in the Premier League as well. For them to keep ridiculous amount of clean sheets, some of their clean sheets against teams that they are playing against and having the strikers that they're playing against is ridiculous. Some of the saves that he's made this season have been fantastic. I'd, I'd back Cristiano Ronaldo because he's again someone like we've mentioned before like the Alan Shearer figure the old head in this new team that isn't very good with two different managers not really doing very well and I do love Mohamed Salah I do love Sadio Mane I do love Kevin De Bruyne on a neutral perspective as well they're fantastic players to watch and to learn from but I am going to give it to Alisson I think Alisson for me is my surprise choice for uh, player of the year and I think he really deserves it and is a big factor in Liverpool's success this season as well because Arjun will remember the days of when you had Mignolet, Carrius, all of these odd keepers every now and then not really doing the best they, they can do and really costing your attack a lot of these games from going from 3-0 down to 3-3. The one against Bournemouth a couple of years ago when you lost yeah. 3-2 as well away because of your keeper. Crazy, but people underestimate the importance of a good keeper. Don't listen to Roy Keane when he's like, oh, he's just doing their job. It's not. It's a really hard job. It's an individual yeah. job on a pitch. Yeah, trust me. As well. <laughs> definitely, definitely yeah. is. Um, but no, everyone, thank you very much for your suggestions on player of the year and young player of the year as well. I think Ramsey has a ch- has a chance to go to the Euros, but I think Saka and Foden will definitely be going to the uh, not Euros to the World Cup in Qatar in November 2022. Um, right. Last thing to end the podcast. It is Mental Health Awareness Week. Uh, we have been speaking about mental health quite a lot recently as well. It's been good to uh, speak about it. I just need one thing from each of you of how football benefits your mental health. And Zayed, I don't want any funny business to say, oh, Man United ruined my mental health and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's just one of those things where Man United don't have to come into the equation for this as well because everyone up and down the country, uh, again, for Mental Health Awareness Week, they're all talking about it. But as you kind of all know, I like talking about it every week when they're on the podcast as well. So Salim, we'll start with you actually. I know playing football is a big thing for your mental health and you mentioned it before as well, but what tip could you give our listeners today in terms of why football benefits your mental health and how it can affect your mental health in a better way? I feel like even if I've sort of had a bad day or if I'm quite down, um, it's just having that, you know, I've got football tonight is something I look forward to like the whole day. Yeah. So if I know that I'm playing football at like nine or something, even if it's like five o'clock, four o'clock and it, you know it's been a hard day at work or you know, I'm just, you know, having a hard time or something. It's something that I look forward to that, you know, I can go and play football. I don't have to worry about anything else. Just 
just playing football. So it's something that I do look forward to. And I feel like it's such an easy way to meet up with, you know, like a lot of your friends or people that you do know. Uh, because like nowadays it is quite hard to sort of catch up with people with everyone being quite busy but it's still convenient that you can get you know yourself and nine other people for like an hour together and you know afterwards obviously you can catch up with the other two so yeah I'd say I'd say it's more so it's just like you know an hour where I'd have to worry about anything no matter how hard things are at home or sort of problems I am going through or you know any other stress that I have I just feel like for that one hour like I'd have to worry about it so it's um it's a good sort of it's good it's a good like reliever for me fantastic no really well really well put Salem as well which would be good and hopefully we'll get to be playing football this summer as well we've got a lot of things planned for us as well which would be good fun as well Arjun talk to me because when I met you you were a big fan of exercise and of working out we exercised um together as well which is really good on, on the beach in Miami but that was more so in terms of making sure that you were feeling right as well does football have that uh, benefit for you as well do you tend to play often enough to feel the benefit yeah definitely so I'm I'm a big enthusiast of like going outdoors and working out and I feel like any sort of physical activity just makes me feel better anyway um, so to a football side like that adds the social aspect in um, going to the gym like, I tend to go to the gym by myself with my headphones and go in my little zone and along those lines sort of thing a bit boring but with football you get to laugh and it's that social element that for me, I value a lot. Um, talking to people, having a laugh, a banter as so-called. Um, and I feel like that is the biggest kind of takeaway from playing football. Um, that I like, even when I moved school, I, when I was like in year nine, I moved school and the only sort of way I made friends was through football. So like that social aspect helps so much. Um, it's funny because I did my dissertation on, on British Asians in football mm. and I looked into like uh, to their childhood and how they kind of so specifically we looked at sampling specialisation sampling I'm not going to do my whole dissertation about it but I'm just going to kind of break it down sampling send it to me later them. I'll read it later yeah yeah everyone wants to watch it now everyone wants to look at your dissertation now no right. I'll tell you what when it's all sorted we'll, I'll get it published and, um, brilliant yeah but Sampling's about playing loads of sports and specialising is playing at one sport. So we looked at their childhood um, and this was coaches and players we looked at. So it was a 40-year-old coach and he only specialised in football because maybe funding could have been something uh, along those lines. But we compared it to British agents who played, who played multiple sports and they felt like their social aspect, their motor skills, their social skills just benefited so much more. Um, and you don't, realize that until you've kind of paid people for so many years it's like, hold on a minute looking back this is all the things i've done but playing in it like you just kind of enjoy it in the moment meeting friends meeting different people um yeah so that's the biggest sort of thing for me just talking and having a laugh with people is it's that it's that element that social element that i look forward to um definitely helps with, with my mental health rather than being stuck in a box excellent now nicely done there arjun Go inside. Let's hear it from a coach's perspective now as well. We've heard more from the social aspect, the mental aspect as well. From coaching your team, from going out to coach, what really benefits your mental health when you're going out and kind of doing it from a coach's perspective? I think it's, for, for me, it is an element of what Arjun and Sal have already said in terms of the social side of it. I think when we look at it from 
the mental health side of it in terms of the mentality of what's going on. It's that release. You know, football gives me a release. Um, I could sit here all day long, look at tactic boards, look at football manager, watch teams on the TV, you know, uh, read articles and stuff. But your brain, sometimes it's really hard to switch it off when you're that, I can't even say passion, because I'll be honest with you, those that know me, will tell you passion left me about five, six years ago. It's a full-on obsession. Yeah. Um, so it's that release of going out, getting fresh air, knowing that what you're doing is impacting somebody. That's the that's the most important thing here. Like when I first got into football, and obviously I think Arjun probably found it, you know, interesting that I've come on in the sense that I'm a British Asian in the game in, in some way, shape or form. Um, but you know, when when I first started coaching football, it was it was all about why isn't there enough British Asians in football, and what can you leave behind? Is it trophies? Is it money? Is it fame? For me, it was none of them. For me, it was I understand that from a religious point of view, I still have a Lord to to answer to one day or someday, um, and. I believe that my Lord is going to ask me for my, you know, my um, my legacy of what I did with people. And at the end of the day, if one person can turn around and say, you know what, this guy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in their prayers or I'm in their thoughts because I've helped them in some way. That's what it means to me, you know, for, for them, for my participants, for, for, for my players, for my clubs. But for me personally, it's the release it gives me. I can have... You know, tiring, tiring time at work. You know, as as everybody does work, or you know, the 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 stresses of life can get to you, and we can understand that. You know, with look at the world we're living in, everything's changing, everything's you know increasing in terms of price and things like that, cost of living, for example. But then you go away for an hour, you go away for two hours, three hours, however long it may be, to go and play a sport, whether it be football, cricket, whatever, whatever it is that you want to do, it's that it's that mental release that it gives you. You almost zone out for a bit you almost put everything to one side like Sal said you put it all to one side and you just think you know what I'm here I'm in this moment for this reason and you know it was asked to me many years ago when I was at Rochdale um, as an inclusion officer that what is the power of sport and the answer that I gave and thank God for Mr Travis history that I remembered this that in World War One. You had two armies of the English army and the German army on each side. And these, these men were trained to kill, shoot on sight. And on Christmas Day, a ball was rolled into a land that nobody owned. Nobody owned that land, so hence why it was called No Man's Land. And a ball was rolled and guns were put down and they played a game of football. Now, if people who are trained to kill can play a game of football and get on, it just shows the camaraderie that you can actually build from playing a sport it teaches you so many things, so many transferable skills. I could be here forever telling you about them. Um, but, you know, it, it, for me, it's that release. For others, it's, from my perspective, the legacy that I leave behind um, that, that puts me at ease knowing that that person, I could be a part of their, you know, their prayers or their thoughts. Um, and it might sound a bit selfish like that, but then at least, that when, you know, when the time goes for somebody to bury me, I know that I helped just one person. Well, that, that was a deep way of ending the, the podcast. I had, so <laughs> yeah. Thank you for reminding us of that. It's all good. It's all good. But no, I can't really, that would be a really good way of finishing the podcast as well, but I haven't even suggested mine. My way of basically just benefiting mental health is uh, and football as well is the fact that 
every, there's so much you can learn from different people in the game, out of the game, supporters of the game as well. And the mm. fact that, again, Arjun said it, Syed said it, and Salem said it as well. You don't know what you're kind of developing and how you're developing whilst you're rather playing football or watching football or what skills you're picking up as well. And the fact that you have that power of sport and for a lot of people to play football, it's a lot cheaper than playing other sports as well. The fact mm. that you can play it wherever you are in the world with different climates, different environments as well, played it in different um, times of our lives as well. It will always be there and it's always a comfort. Like people have comfort watching old TV shows they used to watch when they were a kid. For people like us, it will be having comfort every week or two playing football with your friends that you don't get to see, like Salem said. But you're united in one by actually playing football and getting to spend time with people who you've known for a good number of years or people you want to get to know going forward like with Syed as a coach and again with people that you may not be able to see over the next couple of years like with Arjun uh, leaving university as well it's the fact that you've got so many different people that you can link together through the power of football and I think it's ridiculously powerful how people can be aware of how mental health is impacted by your love of football as well which is fantastic but right we're at the end of the episode Salim thank you very much for being back on the podcast I've missed you ever so much since our last episode and Hopefully, we'll be having a lot more in, in the summer going forward as well. It'll be good to see you in person. And let me know when you're free. We'll link up for, we'll link up for our meeting as well, which would be good fun. Arjun Sharda, thank you very yes. much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, sir. I hope you're back again. Uh, you're always welcome, my friend. And uh, I'm only going to say this on the podcast. Good luck for Saturday. Because obviously, I kind of want Chelsea to win because I don't want you to win the football <laughs> or the treble or anything like that as well. Uh, but no, good, good, in, good luck for the part for the game on Saturday as well. Are you going Thank to the game? No, no, I'm not. I'm seeing some friends up in Scotland. So, uh, uh, as you I do, know. you're going, you're going from as Wembley all the way to Scotland. When you, you're yes. avoiding the traffic, basically, which is the best way to put it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but I'll be watching. I'll definitely, obviously, be watching. Um, but it's manic. I'll, to go, I'll leave it to. But it's manic when it's when it's game day at Wembley. No, I, I couldn't imagine. Honestly, it's like the worst place to be living in the country as well. Yeah, when it's game day. <laughs> and Saya, thank you very much for joining the podcast as well. We'll be getting, uh, ho- hopefully you'll be getting the contract from Interbatley from Salem later this summer as well as their new coach um, going forward as well. So Salem's Sunday League team, if you're listening, if anyone's listening from Salem's Sunday League team, unlucky on the game, but next time just play Salem. Salem's a really good player and he, he, needs to be, he needs to be valued a lot more as well, which is all good. But no, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Everyone take care and um, let's enjoy the summer. Let's have a good summer going ahead. Thank you everyone for coming to the podcast. Take care. Thanks so much. And Thanks bye.